Disclaimer, friends and fellow podcast listeners, it is July as we are recording this, which is also probably when you're listening to it, because the next couple weeks, we are going to be releasing our, our uh, episodes as we make them, because I am on vacation, and all of my files from the previous episodes are back at home. So if you hear us talking about, just a disclaimer, us talking about or referencing other episodes, and you're like, why can't I find it? It might be up in about a month or so. <laughs> and so, uh, more album. we got a ton of stuff that's ready and that's coming. We're experimenting with new formats, so we're going to have some new stuff. And I'm going to go back to the old format for a little bit and come back to the new one. So, get used to that. And without further ado, here's why music. Derek, since this is coming out, let's just go ahead because we don't have any real sponsors yet. Yeah. Uh, why don't you be our sponsor? Because you've released something very Today. recently. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Today is July 1, 2020. Uh, I just like surprise dropped my latest EP project, which I don't think anybody cares about, but I think it's cool for me. It's a thing, you know, it's like quantity over quality in a sense. You just want to like if you're really into writing music, if you're really into making songs, which I am, you just got to keep writing, keep making, and like you'll get better and better, which is the truth. Like I figured out so much more about, I work through logic. So it's like I figured out so much more stuff about logic. I figured out what mastering means and all sorts of different things. And I'm not good at it, but I'm getting better because I'm doing it more. So today I dropped uh, the Cousin Summer EP. Go check it out if you're into rock and roll, fast songs and distorted guitars and all that great stuff so and where can I'm, they uh where's the best way for them to find it or get in oh, contact with you to let you know how much they love it oh my gosh uh it's on youtube i just uploaded it it's also on Bandcamp for free uh so go download it and uh my email is who takes bad naps at gmail.com uh, the band's called bad naps i didn't say that so what's funny, so this episode is brought to you by Bad Naps. Uh, <laughs> I made a joke with Jamie, we're painting the nursery, and uh, I was like, oh, I need to get you a new roller because this one sucks. It has bad naps. And she didn't quite get it, and I don't know if anybody else gets it, but I'll explain it in case you don't. Uh, the naps on the roller, it's like how, how thick the like roller hairs are. So it's like a three-eighths of an inch nap or a half-inch nap. And so I didn't know this. Yeah. So the naps are, you can get really crappy rollers and then that's when you get like lots of spotty painting. And so we bought really crappy rollers. So they have bad <laughs> naps. So there you go. But anyway, thanks Nick for bringing that up. It's a bad cool naps. album covered Nat King Cole. There's a little like classical singer for you. Yeah. Saw that. So we're going with our favorite albums from high school that were mm. released I think, pretty sure, exactly a decade apart, right? Wasn't this 2003, or am I off? Uh, was it was 2003 or 2004, so some, yeah. Uh, yep, 2003. There 2003, exactly a decade apart. Uh, mm. My album is 2013. Uh, and I think, as is per usual, my album's going to be a little bit more popular, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it as in more well-known. Uh, it's also a pop album, arguably. Uh Versus, uh, how would you describe your genre? I 
Oh gosh. Yeah. Cause you asked me like, what kind of music is it? I was like, I don't know what people classify it. Uh, I'd say like, uh, man, I don't know. They cause they took like a way different approach on this album from their debut album. Their debut album was very straightforward, like long Island pop punk. This one is like very, it's darker. It's like more somber, but there's still the energy there. So I don't know. I mean, I'd say, I guess I don't want to say alternative rock. Because who falls under un, under alternative rock? There's a lot of bands. Uh, let's just stick with uh, somber emo pop punk. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know. What maybe you can give me some feedback too? I I don't know. What what, what would you classify it as? Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely rock. Uh, rock. Yeah, it's it's definitely under you know the huge umbrella that is rock um you know which is the biggest of umbrellas (laughs) almost you know when it comes to music but if you if you like if you like rock music in any capacity you will like this album and tell us what uh, what album is this uh this is deja entendu by the band brand new deja entendu meaning already heard which will um kind of come up yeah a couple times as we probably talk about it but um it's interesting because they basically like talk i don't know people were like hey some of these riffs sound similar to other songs and they were like we basically just ripped off a bunch of other musicians to write this record uh that's just i don't know if that's true but brand new can get away with saying stuff like that and people love it so yeah but musicians do it and musicians should be allowed to do it because the daft punk album does the same thing i picked uh, random access memories by daft punk um, which so if, if i could chime in real quick i think this is my favorite album of yours that you have shared with me really so even more Thus than far. the Fi dragons yes wow all right and we thought Derek could never like pop music <laughs> yeah and that we're gonna have a discussion on what pop music is for yeah that's sure. true yeah and i've got an article too i'll bring up so let's talk about the uh the brand new album first let me explain this new format we're trying uh, that we we work together to kind of create. So we're noticing we want you guys to listen to the albums, and we want to talk about them and bring them up in a way that makes you want to listen to them. But we also want to make sure that this podcast is uh, a reasonable length, but still enough that we can kind of get at least our main points across and convince you, you know, why you should go listen to these and also get back to the heart of the podcast, which is supposed to be... Um, you know, what is similar between these? Can we find common ground, essentially, mm-hmm. in the musical ethos? So we're going to start off talking about the brand new album. And when we're talking about it, we're each going to list, we each picked three songs we want to talk about, which might be our favorites, or at least just ones that we thought were worthy mentioning. And if there's some overlap, that'll be an interesting conversation. And we're going to talk about them the way that they appear in the album. Then at the end, I being the person who did not choose this album, have to list three things that the album does very well. So it's forcing me to find the good. And then we have to be more introspective on our own choices and for the album we picked. So Derek will then talk about the three things he thinks this album suffers from, could do better, um, you know, whatever it is we want to we wanna say. Um, and then we'll go to the other album, do the same thing. And then at the end, we're, we've each got three things we've got ready to talk about what are three things that we think these albums both do um, 
that are that are similar and reasons why if you like one album you'll like the other so let's uh, let's get started what are your three what let's three songs are you did you pick so i i uh I love this album so much. It's been a long time since I had like gotten it back out and listened to it. And it is so good. Uh, in my opinion, I just love it. I know it's like a classic to like the scene, you know, uh, I kind of looked up like a pitchfork review beforehand and they weren't really keen on it, but I don't really care what pitchfork thinks. Um, a lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like if you're, if you're Sufjan Stevens, you can get perfect records, but they all sound the same. But you know, when you have like a brand new album that is quite diverse in itself, they don't like it, but whatever. So I think every song is amazing. I think they're all great. It definitely like each song has a very special place for me because this is my favorite album in high school. And it taught me a lot of things musically um, and things that, you know, I didn't realize what rock could do. There's also a ton of like great lyrics on it for me. Uh, you know, I'm a, I really like words, how they're expressed, but I was also really angsty and kind of depressed in high school. So a lot of these words really spoke to me. So uh, I want to preface it with that, but I went ahead and picked the three songs that I think are probably like the coolest to me lyrically and like just sound wise. So I'll go like in order on the track listing. The first one is I Will Play My Game Beneath the Spin Light, um, which is track three. I love the lyrics, um, and I'll, I'll, I can come back to it in a second. Uh, the second song is The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows. That was the biggest single off of this. Maybe Sick Transit Glory was also big too, but I think uh, Quiet Things was definitely like the big single. They had like a breakaway like music video and stuff and um it was actually the first song so i can talk kind of about how i figured out who this band was but it was the first song i heard by them and i remember just it really impacted me and then uh the boy who blocked his own shot would be my third um my third song off of this uh record so do you want me to just dive right in and kind of talk about those three uh uh, let me talk about mine too, and then we can yeah, try yeah. to go. We can try to keep it overall in the order because I actually picked one, actually right around your first pick. So, "Sick Transit Gloria," I'm talking about not because it's one of my favorites, but we'll get into it. Um, okay, I believe you, but my Tommy Gun don't. I knew you'd pick that song. I knew you'd pick that song. <laughs> what do you I think? Didn't know by... any of the other ones? Oh, you why? don't know any of the others? Okay. Yeah. Why, why do you think I would pick that one? Because of the timing. Because of the tone yep. of the guitar and like the yep. crazy, like weird riff timing, which it is. I mean, I can't, I don't think he plays the guitar and sings it at the same time. I think it's the backup guitarist, but like it's wild. I don't know how they were able to, I don't know. The timing is crazy on that. Uh, yeah. Let me, let me take a guess on the last one. All right. I think you're going to pick Guernica. Nope. Dang. <laughs> What's your third one? The one right before it. So me uh, versus Maradona. Maradona, Maradona yeah, versus Elvis. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I definitely like, uh, what is it? I, I, what's with all these titles, too? We can talk about that. So <laughs> they, like, they said, like, they said a bunch of them were like inside jokes that they named. I mean, okay, I believe it, my Tommy Gundone. That's from a movie. Um, Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades is from Rushmore, um, a Wes Anderson movie. All right, so, so we're going to be talking some, about the first, really the first four tracks, because I can't talk about like, what sick transit gloria glory fades did to me um as far as 
in my opinion, not fulfilling expectations without talking about the first track, which was so good. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, it's this super, you know, the first, what is it? Tauto? I don't know how to pronounce any of the words in this album. Oh, I always <laughs> just said it. I always just say tattoo. <laughs> tattoo. It, it probably isn't, but that's what I've always said. It that's was. what we're saying. So somebody, what language are all these things from? Is this Latin? Sick Transit Gloria is Latin. Ta right. Tattoo, I have no idea. Let's look um, it up. I'll look it up while you talk. All right. Yeah. So the intro is super dark and mysterious. And I love how it just like keeps me intrigued. And it sets up the album, which it is. It sets up the album as this experience um this sort of like pop punk album that isn't about high intense dynamics and is more about pulling back on the softer sides um and allowing intrigue kind of in the way that pacing is set up um and the, the repeated lines i think is like it fades kind of, it, it doesn't fade in it fades out but it doesn't fade in but it feels like it because it starts off with that like really picking guitar yeah it's so soft and then like all the elements start coming in but his voice is so so soft <laughs> like it's just like i'm sinking like a stone like you can yeah. like it's barely being picked up in the mic or something uh yeah it starts off like real introspective and the lines are great yeah and this reminds me of um the last song on under oath which i think is on the so we did an under oath album there's going to be another one of those things i talked about a couple weeks ago <laughs> that you're going to hear us talk about in a couple months but we talked about to find the great line by under oath and this also gives me the same thing about to whom it may concern which was such a great way to end the define the great line album yeah. um you know and i've got similar like feelings as i did and then we go into sick transit gloria um then we boom, get this boom, 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 yeah this boom, opening boom, 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 bass line yeah. drum beat two people talking sort of one in each ear channel yeah, um, the back and forth vocals man yeah back and forth and then he says like this is so messed up and everything kind of stops and it's like indicating okay something important is going to happen um, and then here's what the the buildup consists of. Um, so the the cymbals get a little bit more aggressive. We add the background vocals, and then the guitar gets more like you know it gets faster and, and more aggressive in the guitar, and then it jumps into the chorus. And I don't know why this track, for some reason, like the chorus never felt uh, right. Like the it, it's I don't know what it was. You know, the buildup was cool, and I felt like the buildup was promising something, and then it was like the chorus just kind of felt like it didn't belong in that song. <laughs> really? That like, yeah. Oh man. Like a, 
a good way to put it. Like, I don't know. Um, like, it was kind of jarring, not jarring enough to remind me of, like, um, that final track on Fetch the Bolt Cutters where we get uh, on her, um, where we get that, cr like, the crazy transition, which isn't the final track, sorry, but um, we get a crazy transition that's just like, oh, my God, what did I just listen to? So it's not jarring in that sense, but it also isn't like slotted in a way that really feels like right for some reason. I don't know. Huh. And there's a reason why I'm talking negatively of this track too, which we'll, we'll use it again as a point of comparison when I talk about the next track um, I'll be talking about. Um, and then, yeah, about two minutes and 30 seconds in, we get like a sort of break before we get another break into the chorus again that comes in. And that's, I think, the best. It's three minutes and six seconds long, and it was like 30 seconds before the end, and we got the best chorus break of the song. So it was just kind of like, oh, there it is. Um, and I just, I wanted more. Uh, do you have anything to, to say? <laughs> Derek? I mean, I didn't I mean think, to tear it apart like that. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I think it is a, I think the chorus is right as it needs to be because following the storyline, you know, the storyline is about this dude who's uncomfortable with this experience that he's about to have with this girl. Uh, and it's, you know, this like, it feels like it's constant, like, uh, on the edge of your seatness, not because of like, you're scared, but just like, it's the, t like you said with the guitar, it's like that. I mean, the, the bass is definitely like, don't, don't, don't like, there's some like kind of like nervousness to it. And then the guitar with the constant is just like throughout. Um, and I think maybe the key it's in or something, but then when the chorus erupts, I think it's like just all of the like pent up energies, like screaming at the top of his lungs and then die young and save yourself. Like, it's like, Whoa. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think that it fits the, the nervousness and the anxiety of the situation. Well, um, but I, I, I'm try I, I think I get what you're saying, so but a, yeah, I've I, also just listened to the song a billion times. So the way that it like, resonates with me i'm not like necessarily picking it apart as much um so that's fair yeah so the um this song was like and i'm telling you like i'm i picked it for a specific reason again yeah. as that comparison when we get a little bit later um but it it's it was weird for me because i get everything you're saying as far as what the track is trying to do mm -hmm. i just feel like the feelings could have been executed better and then later on in the album they do execute those <laughs> and so i was just like i wish we could have gotten more of that on this album. also like the beginning i felt like it was setting me up for one thing and then this just it didn't quite reach where i thought it was gonna go um but then we get into the next song uh which i think is great so 
yeah I so my, your, so my that's game. yeah i will play my game beneath the spin like so the song sick transit gloria ends with him screaming die young and save yourself and then immediately goes into the strumming acoustic guitar and singing it's a cool song in the sense that it's like the snare is like a country western like gallopy snare um it's you know open sounding acoustic guitar and it's like okay wait a second we just went from like this well we went from like a really mellow introspective song intro to this like thumping screaming anxious song to now like this song which is in a different register again that he's singing but it's like quick strumming acoustic guitar um so it's like already we have a bunch of different tones going on for the record and i think that that's like okay dope like i'm into that but what i really like about the song in particular is just the melody of the verses and the word painting the lyrics and it's just how each line flows into the next line and there's a lot of very vivid lyricism that's going on there's a lot of like just really cool especially the second verse which i'm going to go ahead and read the entire second verse lyrically because again it just flows so well and it you can you can tell some like he wants to get some point across just the rhythm of it the the delivery of it it just feels it's it's so good and like the even just right out of the chorus like there's like the little acoustic like chord change like and it just like it, i don't know i think the whole song flows just really really well um and i i'm, I'm into it i think in the bridge is like this weird eerie kind of crazy um I don't know. There's like this very interesting key that he's singing in. And it's very like anxious sounding. So I don't know. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of anxiety that's displayed very well on this record. Uh, this one is like with the, I think the register that he's singing in and kind of like the, the strumming and the rhythm of it. But I just, I, honestly, just the lyrics and the, the delivery of the, the acoustic guitar and the drum, like a country Western storytelling kind of, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I, I don't know something like when I'm used to only listening to like you know screaming or something and then you go to this and it's like whoa like this is a rock song with the same singer telling the same story but in a different way or with a different backing track or whatever so it, I, I think it really stood out to me. I will play my game beneath the spin light was kind of the most like radio friendly song probably on the album you know it's only it's less than four minutes and everything else is pretty long not that that's a bad thing but it's just you know for people who listen to the radio and i'm not trying to insult people who listen to the radio but <laughs> they usually prefer shorter songs um 
and well, it's and, it, and the radio prefers shorter songs too. and the radio prefer which is why there's all the radio edits you know of right, things right. um it felt like the most you know i felt like if anybody or if you're trying to maybe if you want to listen to this album um i think listening to that that first track could be unless you're like us to, for me it drew me into the album instantly mm-hmm. um but i do think that i will play my game beneath the spin light is a really good uh entry point if you don't if you're more used to like radio music and you don't like pop punk or you don't like rock i think this is a good at least entry point to the album um and i think you would enjoy i think you would enjoy this song maybe i'm wrong but you know oh no i bet i bet people would enjoy it but that's interesting that you think that's the entry point I would have said quiet things, but we can get to it in a second when I talk about it. That's true. We're about to. So yeah, the first five tracks, really, (laughs) kind of back to back we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, so the next one, I believe you, but my Tommy Gun Don't is, uh, was, you know, I thought probably maybe, and I didn't get a chance to listen to the album, you know, a million times. Derek's listened to, certainly more familiar with the album than me. But I felt like this might be my favorite, uh, or at least what I felt was their best execution of pacing um, out of all the songs, possibly. It's really good. Um, and it felt like, you know, four tracks in, like this is what uh, I felt was kind of what they um, set up in that first track, if that makes sense. Um, and this is also where the similarities, like this song, pacing wise and structure wise, feels sort of similar to me, the way that they maintain your attention as the Daft Punk album, which when we talk about the similarities between the two albums, mm. um, we'll get to my dog's growling at something. Um, <laughs> so it, I found it really cool at the beginning, just the guitar and vocals. Um, and it's kind of the most, especially coming out of that last track, you know, which is this sort of, um, again, sort of like radio sounding hit. It's kind of like their biggest sound so far on the album, the end of that track. Um, and like you were saying, between Sick Transit Gloria, where it so totally like subverts your expectations, and you were talking about the transition between the tracks. This one's an incredible one. Which I have the vinyl of it, and it does end, side one ends on spin light so it's like and then it like stops and it's like oh i know what's supposed to come next (laughs) to flip the disc over but uh but yeah it's 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 a pretty wild yeah how they just i mean it almost like begs you to just like continue listening through it like they're not giving you an option you have to keep listening yeah exactly yeah and as as we're kind of hinting at like i honestly don't think any of these songs sound the same like i would agree with that too yeah you know especially with their first record which is funny because they even like joked about it when they performed a couple of the songs live they were like yeah we're gonna play this song which is the literally the exact same song as this other song like it's the same four chords and the same you know uh, progression they just changed like the lyrics and the bridge you know whereas like this one is like very technically different each song so yeah um yeah so it's great transition in and a great opening again and it's it's there's so many parts in the song for this one which i love when artists do this and it uh, where i feel like the chorus is supposed to happen but they don't so it's like this song is like playing a tease on me 
hope this song starts. I love the lyrics where he's just so cocky and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's not like it, but the aesthetic, it, it's like, oh man, go ahead. Sorry. It's just so good. No. Yeah. And the music does that too. The way the music is paced out and everything, it, it sort of leads you on in that sort of cocky way. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, I, I have the right ear almost exclusively, like when he, at the beginning, there's like this echo to his vocal line or something, or, or maybe an added harmony or a repeat, but it's so far off in the distance. I never noticed it when I was listening on speakers. And then when I was listening on the headphones louder, I could hear it. And it almost sounded like there was somebody in my house, <laughs> like in another room, ah, um, repeating what he was saying. It was really cool. Um, and then we get like this powerful and emotive transition and then another guitar is added. Um, but it's, it's a more open. So the first guitar at the beginning of the song is like a sort of muted, yeah, very it's all muted. Yeah, yeah, it's a very like staccato, rhythmic, um, lots of space in between. And then we get this more open kind of reverberant guitar. Um, and then, yeah, things are getting set up and it's this vibe that I feel like I was looking for, this kind of ambience. Um, and yeah, the voice is getting his voice and the verse here starts to get even more raw, raw as the guitar begins to feel bigger and bigger. And then it starts to build up and then it's like, but not yet. <laughs> and like, I felt yeah. like there were a couple times in that first verse where I was like, the chorus should happen. And it just had me on the edge of my seat. And then uh, the buildup is done well. Um, and then like there's a shred in the guitar that leads us into this noisy hit that happens two minutes in. So two minutes in we finally get the hit. The other song, um, Sick Transit, this is part of that comparison, Sick Transit Gloria, mm. by the time we were two minutes and 30 seconds in, that was like the third hit that we got. This one, it took them two minutes to get to the hit, but I think it was so, so worth it. Um, and it just kept me thinking the whole time, like what's about to happen, like, you know, what's, yeah. What's... And maybe, maybe that's the idea of an opening song, right? Like that's true. Yeah. You have the intro and then you have like the opener, which is just like, you know, a, a banger and like upbeat and stuff. And this one is like, as you keep listening, you get rewarded maybe like this idea of, yeah. Yeah. It's a continual. Yeah. It is a continual. Again, I think it has that edge of your seat kind of vibe to it where it's like, you know, you do feel like, oh, something's coming, something's coming. Yeah. But you don't know when it's going to come. And it's like, you know, it's very slight dynamic changes too. That's that. true. And it's, um, and I, I, this is another part of that reason why I wanted to also talk about Glory Fades before this is because I think that it helps those first, not necessarily the first track, but the, the second two, you know, tracks two and three that we've already talked about kind of set up, um, I guess, your ears to hear one thing, which I think, okay, I believe you, but my Tommy gun don't, is a more powerful song pacing wise because of the three songs that come before it in, yeah. you know, because it's track four. Yeah, because if you were to start off with this, you might get like bored. 
yeah exactly two minutes yeah Yeah. so it might have been strategic placing as well yeah and then so after that first hit and then everything cuts out yet somehow it sounds fuller this is the price you pay for loss of control Like that whole time I was on the edge of my seat and now they've convinced me like I feel like I want to move or like groove to it. Like they've convinced me this is worth, you know, moving Mm -hmm. to like this is music worth your time. And then we get into the next section and we get this sort of noisy towards the end and it like sort of cuts out for a second and then like bam, we get hit again. Um, and we get that beginning set up again. The vocalist is even more intense here towards the end, and he starts to go crazy, and he starts, like, screaming, and then the chorus comes back in again. Credit as well to Jesse Lacey and his singing and his lyricism. Like, I think that he just, like... Like, a couple things, like, from a songwriting perspective. So in the first verse, or I guess it's the second verse, because I wish I knew, but then it goes in the second verse, um, and at the end, right before the chorus... He says, holding on to your grudge. Oh, it's so hard to have someone to love. But then you go to the third verse, and he says, you're holding on to your grudge. Oh, it hurts to always have to be honest with the one that you love. So he's pulling back in. Because it's like the pre, it's, it's like a pre-chorus, but it still changes. Like, they're not yeah. the same yeah. tone. But, but you get that call back. Um, yeah. And, I mean, a couple of my favorite lines, you know, from this record, like, oh, my tongue's the only muscle on my body that works harder than my heart. Like, that's like a <laughs> clever, like, just like, you know, there's, he's definitely like digging at somebody. You know, it's, it, it might sound weird, but I don't know if you feel the same way. Like, I loved Brand New tremendously. And I, I'll talk a little bit about, like, their mystique. When I listen to his voice, Jesse Lacey's voice, like if I haven't listened to it in a long time, which like I hadn't listened to this record, he has a very unique and different voice from the rest of the scene. And especially with the music that they were writing and like, it seems like what he's singing is important. Uh, As they like kind of went on, like they released this album called Daisy, which I don't think is very good. Uh, It's probably the worst brand new album ever, but they did a lot of like screaming where he's literally just like screaming a whole bunch of songs. And it's like, cool, but you know then he has other songs which he does do kind of like the low vocal stuff um but they you know their last album they released was kind of back to this like very dynamic very like edge of your seat kind of thing because it feels like if i were going to write a song or if i were going to sing it feels like he and i could be on the same page with that whereas like when i go to like the pop stars i'm like whoa i would never sing like that i think we're we're both kind of trying to make is that there's no right way to do music (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's it's what what your preference is and that's why we have this podcast (laughs) (laughs) and that's why yeah why why do we like certain kinds of music and hashing it out especially compared to when we're comparing two albums so uh let's move on to to my my song number five the quiet things that no one ever knows okay so here's a fun story eighth grade all right so middle school my it could have actually it might have even been seventh grade now that I'm thinking about it. I had a best friend. His name was Brett. And uh, this was a year that I had transitioned from private school to public school. So seventh grade. I think middle school sucks. I don't know if I've said it on here, but middle school is the absolute worst year of anybody's life. Okay, it's, <laughs> it's the worst. Seventh grade 
specifically. It's awful. So for me, I switched from a, a Catholic private school to a public school. I had gone to public school K through two. My parents put me and my brothers in a Catholic school. It wasn't quite for me. It was, I think they had to straighten my brothers out. Sorry to my brothers if they listen to this episode. <laughs> but they, I think they know that that's true. And then we transitioned back into public school when my older brother was going into high school and my younger brother was going into sixth grade and middle school. So it was like, oh man, cool. The transition is pretty simple for them. For me, seventh grade, middle of middle school, absolute worst. Uh, I didn't know, like I was wearing a uniform for several years. Now it's like, what do I wear now? Uh, you know, I don't have any friends. Uh, I don't know. Like there's just all these things. It's a much bigger school. Oh, I walk myself to my class. We only had like, you know, two fifth grade or sixth grade classes in my school. Now there's four different ones. They're in all parts of the building. Like there's all sorts of stuff. So I'm already like, oh boy, this sucks. And then my buddy, Brett, had made me this mix CD. And for the life of me, I could tell you maybe two songs on this mix CD. One song was this song called Yeah Toast. Have you ever heard this song, Nick? <laughs> no. Okay, I'll send it to you. It's hilarious. It was on the Bob and Tom show. It's this guy playing on a toaster and he's singing like a made up song about toast. It's really funny. It's really silly. And he's like, like screaming off the top of his lungs. Great. And then the other song is the quiet things that no one ever knows. Now I'm sure there are more songs on this record. I just could not tell you what they were or not record <laughs> mixed CD, but this one was on it. Now here's the crazy thing. I loved this song. There was something I like, I had never heard anything like it before. It's the repeated back and forth vocal in the chorus. It's this cool, like palm mute, verse it's the really anthemic high-pitched singing at the bridge the cool lead like there were just so many cool things about it and i'd never heard anything like it before you know and at this point i had discovered like yellow card and good charlotte and stuff but this was way different and i didn't know who the band was or what the song was called wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so i love this song but i had no idea who it was and it wasn't until I saw the music video on TV one time. Uh, and this was when music videos were on TV. And it was like a thing. I think it was on Fuse TV. And the music video is still pretty good. Uh, it's, you know, a very interestingly shot and like produced story, but it's, it's still pretty good. Um, and you have to, you know, like music videos, the title shows up at the beginning, right? And it shows like the band and the album and stuff. And then at the end. So when I turned the, when I saw that this song was on, I was like, oh my gosh, I know that song, but I didn't see who it was still. So I had to wait until the end and I saw it pop up and it said brand new. And I was like, what? That's a band? <laughs> brand new? Like, huh? Are you sure that's right? So I knew nothing about the history of Brand New or anything, but I knew I loved that song. And that song is The Quiet Things That No One Ever Knows. It is an amazing song. I love it. Uh, I don't know what it is about it, but it put them, I mean, it shot them up kind of to stardom. They like played on like, I think they played Jay Leno or one of those late night shows and they performed this song. Um, you know, they got the cover of like magazines and stuff and they really blew up. Uh, 
I think it was on the radio. It was definitely on like rock radio. Um, but I don't know. This song is just so cool from that intro. And I can't tell you, I think every single one of my bands that I've been in has tried to cover this song, but it's almost impossible because the singing is again, so dynamic. Like, ah, it's so good. But from that intro, the doom, 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 doom. It's not hard. Like, and that's the thing about brand new is a lot of their stuff isn't technically difficult. Mm -mm. And, and all those notes are just lit. It's just G E minor C D. It's like very simple. And it might've been one of the first full songs I learned how to play on guitar, but that doesn't matter. It's the whole thing. And it's like, ah, man. And that, that lead, not hard, but so powerful. And then they're like, don't, don't. All these parts are just so signature, and I don't know why, but I just, I love it. And I think one of my favorite brand new lines of all time is the last line in the chorus where he says, wasted words on lower cases and capitals. Um, I think it's a pretty, like, depressing lyric, but I just think that it's so cool. I think that something about the delivery of it, something about like what the line is saying, how you're describing wasted words on lower cases and capital. Like it's, I don't know. There's just something about the, the painting of it. Um, and the back and forth vocals again, like, so here's the crazy thing. You go into that that bridge on this song. Well, they do the intro riff again, and then they go into the palm muted, and he's like, I lie for, and it's his down low range, right? And then they come in, and he's like, ah, and it's like all these vocals, just so high pitched, so loud, this like chorus, and then the chorus comes back again, and so he's already like harmonizing himself, and like at the top of his range, like screaming, keep the blood in your head and keep your feet on the ground. And it's going back and forth. Plus the additional like whole group vocal part from the bridge at the end. It's so powerful and it's so good. And I don't know, like I, again, I had never heard anything like it. It was like equal parts, really like emotional and like also equal parts, like rock and roll. So I don't know. It was really cool. I, uh, that song just has a very special place in my heart. And I think it has a, a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I don't think it's like one of those singles where like, oh, I'm tired of, of hearing that song because I don't think it got enough recognition. I think it got, I think it blew them up. I think it got the plays that it needed to get, 
but I still think it's one of those like unknown, underheard singles, and it's still just a solid, solid rock song. I think the story of how I even like found it is really great. But it is. It's I think a really it's just, cool I think story. It's just a great, a great song. What are your thoughts on the quiet things and no whatever knows? I should have said this before we started, but I felt like you would pick this as one of your songs. It's like a very like Derek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe for all I know, every single song I write is based off of this song. <laughs> because it, it was it was just so formative. Like I know I geeked out. The dear listeners won't know what we talked about last week, will they? With they will card. eventually. But eventually. Okay. Eventually so, like, you're gonna hear a yellow card episode. <laughs> yeah. So like we talked a lot about Ocean Avenue and that was like a huge hit and a big deal for me in rock music. But I think this album came, like they came out the same year, Yeah. but I discovered this album once I really started to want to be in music, like in yeah. a whole culture of music. And like, this was like a credible underground unknown kind of like, like I said, like their Long Island, like pop punk, like emo that I didn't know what I was going to get myself into. Whereas like Yellow Card was like huge. Everybody loved Yellow Card and for good reason. This was like, a very niche sound and it was like oh like what is this that i'm about to get into yeah and yeah if you haven't heard that song now by by now you've had 17 years to listen to it you need to <laughs> you need to get on it because it is like i it's a great song uh the lat or my last song that i picked the top three is the boy who blocked his own shot this one you just you know when you watch like a really good movie and you feel like something was like something will resonate you with you or like you left when the movie ended you like left a piece of your heart with it like mm -hmm. i feel that way about garden state which is a very like indie movie and i don't know why i feel that way but it's just like oh like there was something that really hit and that's how i feel about this song is just like the the whole aesthetic is just like man like yeah. something is powerful about it. I mean, the and again, the acoustic guitar, it's G. And he slides up. It's the same G formation, but he slides it up to like the 10th fret and then slides it down to the 8th fret. And that's all it is in this open acoustic guitar strumming. But again, his voice is just so good. And I think the lyrics are impeccable. It's it's a fairly like long song in the sense that there's a lot to you know track play, but also just lyrically, um, I don't know. Just there's there's a lot that goes on, but that chorus, "Call me a safe bet," I'm betting I'm not like clever, uh, you know. And and the repeated, if it makes you less sad. but the bridge i think is where it like all comes to a head which you know typically that's where you want a lot of the songs to kind of like really peak like that's like the climax right there's a lot of like you know they have a lot of good bridges we talked about on that one where it's like all the energy starts building up the uh the tommy gun song yeah. screams at the end and goes back into the chorus this yeah. is almost like the antithesis of that it's like instead of building the energy up entirely like there is like kind of a build up but it just all goes out. Break if you ever close your second hand smile. 
I don't know. The cor- everything drops out. And it's just the single strum on the on the last chorus, and it's just it's a very powerful song. I love the vibe of it. I like the acoustic with the drum. You know, it's. It, I just think I think this is a very novel song, especially on this record, and especially for brand new. And that's why I picked it for one of mine. I love the lyrics and I love the the delivery. I think that's a pretty common thing that I say, but that's how I feel about it. Uh, my last song, me versus what is it maradona versus elvis yeah um, let's say that let's also say that. The, the song in between is a great song cool little riff all right yeah Me so the others maradona. are cool um yeah. <laughs> so part of the challenge with this is us having to only pick three that's right um, which is you know i thought this week was much harder for me um but i you know i thought it was a good thing um so um yeah it Again, I like all these subdued starts, although they do that a lot in this album. Um, a subdued start, um, and then uh, we have this whispering harmony. Again, in the, the left channel, he does this a lot, that like sort of whispering harmony that comes in the left channel later. I don't know if that would be like the producer's decision on like yeah. where, where it goes, but like I'm sure Jesse well, had the ideas of like what harmony it was, and the producer yeah. was like... For consistency's sake, I'll put it all in the left ear. <laughs> or if it's sometimes too, when they record, it's already set up with, um, you know, with that 360 audio when they're recording. Oh, interesting. Yeah, could be. You know, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, but we get that again. It's really cool. Um, and this is really cool. So it's like we get this dropout indicating something's going to happen. And then the guitar, who previously was in the right channel, all of a sudden moves to the left channel and they do a lot of like weird guitar moving in this, which is super cool. Um, and we can hear, we can hear the breathing, like the lead singers breathing as well. Um, which I love when you can like really hear the breaths for some reason. And then the guitar has these like awkward breaks that just work so well where it's like switching around to a different place. Um, you know, in the ethos of where you're listening to. Um, and then every single change the guitar gets in, it, it comes back in somewhere else. So it, it doesn't just change riff, you know? It's like they really want us to know something new is happening, which I, I just, I loved it so much. Um, and then, yeah, again, that very close harmony, it keeps coming back in the left, and we get these transitions. Um, and it, it, we get a hit, finally, like later on in the track, um, four minutes and 20 seconds in is like when we finally get the big part, which still isn't, it's big, it's thick, 
but it's not both this album and the Daft Punk album do this. It's big and it, it's thick, but it's not loud. Like they don't get loud. They focus more on kind of focusing on the quieter parts of the of the albums, um, which is something growing up loving minimalism is something I really like. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we get the thicker texture getting a change in timbre rather than a true dynamic change. Um, and this chordal interlude section towards the end. Um, yeah, they just do a good job um, holding my interest and kind of not giving not giving me what I want, which I think is a, you know, a, a similar vibe, I guess, I've been talking about with a lot of these songs, and I'll talk about it even more on the Daft Punk album. But um, what do you gotta what do you gotta say about that song? Do you like that song? I love every single song on this record. But yeah, this <laughs> one is. I remember so one time we were in high school in art class, and my buddy uh, Daniel at the time he was the drummer in my band, and we were both fans of a lot of the same music. And we put this song on because our teacher was like letting us bring in CDs and stuff. So we put this song on and people were like really bored <laughs> because it was like <laughs> kind of the same thing. And like, yeah, I appreciate it so much more. I, I always thought this song was great, but I kind of get where people are coming from. And my buddy was just like, you just have to wait. You just have to wait. And he just kept telling people like, just wait, just wait. And it, it's like, it's worth it, you know? And it's like, he, I think the storytelling again with a lot of these songs, but this song in particular is, is what really drives the song. And especially those harmonies, like you said, like, I got desperate desires in an admirable land. I found myself singing a lot of the harmonies when I was singing along to the CD instead of the regular vocals, which I had never remembered to do that. I just found myself doing it. Um, but I think it is like, you know, it's a very, uh, kind of gross song, like lyrically, like, uh, it's, it's not as like, uh, I don't know, you know, the, the, the chorus is I will lie awake in life for fun and fake the way I hold you, let you fall for every empty word I say, you know, and it's like it, but it, it feels like he knows what he's doing is wrong, but he's still going to follow through with it anyways. Um, and so kind of the like cringy thing. So I guess I should make it known that I, I know Nick isn't aware, but I am aware that Jesse Lacey, the singer, uh, was accused of inappropriate behavior with an underage girl. Uh, and you know this. Yeah. So um, it was very disappointing to that that happened. Obviously, that's not cool at all. And that's not you know, that's terrible. Um, so it, it kind of feels a little weird listening to the song. If I knew that, you know, obviously nobody knew that, you know, it just came out a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, so it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, I find myself thinking about that song. Uh, what's that Kendrick Lamar, the last song, is it mortal man where he's like, when yeah. ish hits the fan, are you yeah. still a fan? Yeah, And it was that, you know, he, he's kind of calling into that, like, you know, if something happens, does the art remain the same? You know, let's say the singer does something awful. Is the art still credible? Is it still good? And so I find myself kind of like thinking about that, like, you know, yeah, he was completely wrong and awful to do those things. And like, he released this statement and he was like, I've been unfaithful to my wife in the past and she's forgiven me countless times. Um, 
and it's amazing how much she loves me and how much she's allowed me to to stay with her and grow and become a better man but these demons have like haunted me for my whole life and it was a very like honest outpouring and it's like you know so when you get to like this song you're just like was he like trying to express himself in these songs without being like too outright like did people not like think that he was just storytelling or is this a real thing that he was trying to get out of you know to, to get out of his heart and like really draw out i don't know but you know i think that you know brand news discography is still okay to listen to like i don't think it's like a faux pas thing or i don't know if that's the right word i don't think i don't know if it's like this thing oh condemned you can never listen to brand new anymore because their singer did something bad you know a decade after they released this album it's like yeah, it's it's that's like the hard part with a lot of this and we had a whole discussion about this exact vibe of course on a on a bigger scale um but like wagner one of the greatest composers ever uh really really great music and turns out he was a nazi you know like a pretty oh. adamant like anti-semite basically wow um, and hitler loved his music so it's like should we still support him yeah should we still listen you know support it and it. like a big thing you know, that was uh, brought up in that discussion, kind of the general consensus was um, it's okay to still look towards it, take inspiration from it for like its artistic value. Um, right. they, they were, and especially now that he's, you know, dead and he's been right. dead for a long time. Um, like he's not getting any money or any like real exposure from it. So, you know. Um, and it also was wasn't, like, yeah, it wasn't like he was writing like Nazi marches or like right. things that were overtly, you know, and that that is that's super tricky, you know, it's like, yeah, how, where do you and I think that's what's great about music and art is like it is relatively subjective or you're allowed to like what you're allowed to like. If you have the right reasons for it, then it's like, why not? You know, and it's like, I I. You're frozen. I don't know. Just, I mean, just like that, uh, that Kendrick song where he's like, "Hey, I'm here. Can you hear me?" Yeah, you're back now. You're back now. I'm so what you just say? We, I just heard you now. come back in. It's like that Kendrick song, but I don't know. <laughs> it's what you yeah, said. So I, that. that's right where I froze. Okay. Okay. That uh, that Kendrick song where he's like <laughs> listing like all the people, and he's like, "Oh, it's Michael Jackson." And he's yeah. Like, he he gave us Billy Jean. You say he touched those kids. Yeah, And it's like this idea that like, I don't know, he, he, the way he presents it in that song specifically is very interesting because he's like, how could somebody who gave us Billie Jean do that? But also, can we forget that he also wrote Billie Jean just because he did X? Yes, X may be awful, but that doesn't mean that like his artistic merit wasn't also incredible. Yeah, and then also yeah. like, can we forget that he did that because he wrote Billie Jean? And like, yeah, exactly. There's a whole bunch of different things. It's like, yeah, I'm not gonna forgive Jesse. La well, we, sh I, I'm a Christian, so I'm called to forgive everyone. But it's hard yeah. for me to say, oh yeah, I'm just gonna forgive him because he's one of my favorite singers and songwriters. No, that's stupid. Like that, that's not justifiable. Right. You know, but, and there's like, it's that same argument that we have now. You know, with like how. Um, Jimmy John's, <laughs> you know, their, their owner 
is notorious for being like a trophy hunter. Yeah. And he kills like, in, yeah, he kills like endangered animals and everything. Yeah. Um, and in, in that situation, what is funding his ability to do those things are the sales that he's making from Jimmy John's. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's certainly Freaky fast. Yeah. That's certainly a more direct, um, you know, I think, I think that's a little bit of an easier argument. Cause it's like, yeah. I can go, I can live my life without Jimmy John's knowing mm -hmm. that I'm not contributing to that. Um, but it's like, it's weird. Cause it's, it's like saying, um, would Jesse Lacey, you know, it's like, it's like, does our partaking in his music, is that what, Val does you know, it validate what he does? Yeah. Yeah. Basically saying, yeah. Basically saying, are we encouraging him to do that? Right. And I, I don't think when it comes to that, you know, I, you say what you want to about supporting him or not. I don't think, I'm not sure if us listening to his albums is what yeah i think in power to do it but maybe it does i, I don't know I, I don't so what i think i got out of his statement which i think was very well articulated um and he felt for all intents and purposes he felt very remorseful and i think you know what's interesting about brand new too is like so they blew up on this album they got huge and then they did the worst pr thing ever and they just fell off the face of the earth intentionally they said we don't want any part of it. And they basically became an unknown band, but not unknown in the sense that like people forgot about them. People ate it up. Like they would release all this cryptic stuff. Um, anytime they put anything online for sale, people bought it in a second. Anytime any of their tickets went on sale for a show, they sold out in a second, but they never did anything. They never did like interviews. They like, they just like were super, to themselves um which again there's like this whole mystique around brand new which is really cool and they like teased their last album called science fiction they like teased out a whole bunch of crazy stuff with like coordinates marking like this one mountain somewhere and like uh they like sent out cd like blank cds to like people who pre-ordered the album and it was the entire album on one track but it wasn't marked. It wasn't titled or anything. They just got it. <laughs> and like, they would do all sorts of crazy cool stuff. Like the next album called um, the devil and God are raging inside of me. They said, send us a dollar to this PO box in New York. If you'd like a copy of the lyrics, like they would do all sorts <laughs> of like crazy, like things that just draw you in. Um, yeah. But I think, so when he released this statement, it was like, I don't know. It felt, it did feel genuine because it's not like he's always in the limelight. It was like, he was saying something that he felt like was, I mean, I don't know if it, it felt, it felt legitimate, but you know, I'm in a different position or whatever, but he, um, I think the way he said it was like, I had always struggled with this problem and the ability to be a musician away from home in different cities with people who look up to me was something I couldn't handle. And like, you know, we could, we could diss him for that, or we could at least respect like, okay, he at least acknowledges the issue. Right. Like, yeah, I get what he's, I, I get what he's saying again, it's not permissible, but at the same time, like if there is somebody who's like, just imagine like an alcoholic too. Like if you had alcoholic tendencies, 
and then you go become a touring musician where you get like free beer every night. It's like, hmm, are you going to have those issues on the road? It's going to be a lot harder for you to abstain from those things. There's a lot more temptation that comes along with it. So, yeah, I don't it's think certainly that- like I don't I don't know. I don't think that should be uh an excuse as it were. I'm not saying necessarily I haven't read the statement or anything, but you know. Oh yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's still unacceptable, but it's it's an interesting like you know, it's not like, okay, well, you're fine to do that then, bro. It's like, well, no, clearly not. But I yeah. guess why I was saying that was like, when you could buy albums and supporting the album, are we thereby supporting him touring? Right, thereby? exactly. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's the oh, thing. Man. It's like, you know, There's a, um, yeah. the, the fine but, line is like, are we enabling him? Yes. You know, exactly. Basically. And it's like, and we didn't know. So I mean, we can't necessarily plead innocent or we could have until we found out. Right. Right. But, yeah. But here's okay. here's the last here's the final thing with brand new. They for a while were teasing their breakup before they broke up. And they had said I think they released back in 2016 or something. They released this line of t-shirts that on the back said like well it said brand new on the front and on the back it said 2000 to 2018. So it was like 2 years before they were going yeah. to break up. And I was like whoa classic brand new doing crazy stuff and they kept like at all their like shows i think they play like bamboozle or something and they were like releasing they were just like saying like man we love this but it's not going to last much longer and stuff like that and then all this so i was ready to buy my tickets because i'd never seen brand new um because again they like anytime their tickets went on sale sold out in a second no lie so i was like i'm ready and then all this news broke and they stopped being a band at the tail end, I think, of 2017. So it's like they almost predicted their death, which is crazy. Uh, and then number two, their one another one of their like really famous closer songs is called Soko Amaretto Lime. Uh, and it was on the the first album. And um the chorus is I'm gonna stay 18 forever. Uh, and then there's more to it, but the idea that like 2000 to 2018 yeah they're gonna stay 18 forever like it's just like this whole thing is like oh my gosh like again the mystique of brand new dude there's just something about them that's like you know the lead singer did something awful but taking the art for what it is and taking the band for like the artistic intrigue right like there was something absolutely fascinating about them for like the 17 years 18 years that they existed as a band everybody was just fascinated by them and what their creative process was and what they were doing um but yeah so this we can move on to yours but this album was what got me into brand new and i think everybody should listen to it because it's awesome but we'll talk about why to listen to it um afterwards oh are we going to talk about the three things that we don't think works well or yeah you gotta you gotta talk about um and i gotta add that to another list of the things that connects both of these albums because daft punk lives off of that same yeah that's right mystery you know because nobody's seen their face (laughs) but yeah so tell me your three things things. yeah here's three things that uh i think work well but (laughs) some people may not think it works well again i've listened to this album a billion times i think every single song is great you know i'm sure a lot of people may not like the aggressive screaming especially on like sick transit gloria when he's like die young and save yourself yeah there's several songs where he screams and kind of goes to the higher end of his register and it's like if you're you know into really smooth r&b 
or something, you know, or like if you're just not into that kind of like emotional pouring of the vocals, um, you know, I think it works well in the moments that it's supposed to work well in this album, but it's because I'm a fan. So I think if you're not a fan of that, it it probably won't. Uh, I don't think you'll appreciate it. I think you'll probably just be bothered by it. Um, something else is like, if you're not into like cheeky lyrics, sarcastic lyrics, uh, you know, songs about girls or like getting back at your best friend or something, you know, or if you don't like, I guess this would be a, a two pack. If you don't like, if you're not like Nick and you don't like four minutes of build up <laughs> with a storyline, like all my friends in high school art who were like, okay, this song is boring. You know, if you're not into like following a storyline um, and how the music unfolds over the span of several minutes, um, you know, I think it is extremely effective for what they're trying to do because I, I like, I like that, but like there are people like my wife who probably don't like that. So, uh, I don't know, like, again, like, I think it's kind of funny. We're starting with this. If we had started with the uh, three things we don't think worked well last week, when we talked about yellow card, which I guess will be in like a month when you guys hear it, <laughs> uh, I would have had more things, but I think that this album is so kind of like defining for the scene and especially for brand new as well as like, I think all of the al the songs are like extremely different and lots of dynamics happen. Um, I think that there's a lot of really, really good things on this record, but I think that the things that may not work for all people are kind of like the, uh, yeah, like I think it would be like the, um, I say graphic lyrics. I don't mean like super, explicit or like super gross or anything but like you know Guernica is whether it's modeled off of the painting or not it is clearly about like an interesting like interpolation of like a battle and so they talk about like slitting the necks of soldiers while they sleep um you know or like in me versus Maradona versus Elvis, you have like the, I will lie awake and lie to you and fake the way I hold you and things like that. So like, you know, die young and save yourself. Like there's lots of like those kind of like, I hate the saying the word emo because I think people want to like write it off as like this thing, but it's like very like honest, emotive songwriting. And if like, you're not into those kinds of like very quote unquote explicit or quote unquote graphic or I don't, I don't know how else, like what other words I would use to describe those lyrics but um, even like the, the the second to last song good to know that if I ever need attention all I have to do is die like you know if you're not into that <laughs> that kind of thing then uh, you know that I don't think it would work for you so so I guess to summarize the the nature of the lyrics the storytelling that would lengthen out a song and the screaming would be my three things that may not work for everybody. All right. What do you, so think? I, what do you think works really well? Yeah, I had to put three things that this album does well. Um, one, it's a very emotional album. And this compounds with that. But number two, um, it's got these raw vocals. There's no auto-tune on them, but these very like raw and dynamic vocals. 
um, that help to sell the emotion of it. Um, Cause sometimes he gets a little bit like pitchy, a little bit out of tune, but it's like a part of the story and it's a service to what's happening uh, in the song. So if you're looking for something that's emotional with these very raw, uh, again, like these raw vocals, there's no auto tune or anything on them. It's just like, <laughs> it is who he is, you know, this mm -hmm. pure sound. Um, and then three, um, this is going to sound contradictory, uh, but I, I think, I don't think it is at all. Um, so like what you were talking about with how dynamic the album is as far as, you know, the song sounding different, yet it has a consistent sound through the album. So you have, mm. you listen to any of these songs and you're like, all right, cool, that's brand new. But you're not getting the same experience from every single song. So it's, um, which is of course just a matter of, that's like saying, uh, you know, Beethoven symphony and a Mahler symphony sound the same because they use the same instruments, you know? Um, so you're yeah, getting that guitar, same... It's guitar-driven rock. Yeah, you're getting that consistent sound throughout the album. Um, but they, it's creative and incredible how they use those sounds throughout the album. Um, and that is very similar, and in fact, arguably the same as Transition, Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. Very consistent sound throughout the album, yet very dynamic and diverse uses of those sounds. So, Derek, tell me what three songs you picked. I feel like we might have some overlap. My three songs that stood out the most to me, I think The Game of Love, Giorgio by Moroder. Yep, I knew we'd both align <laughs> there. And Beyond. I'm going to go, so Giorgio by Moroder, we both shared the same, and I knew, I knew we'd both pick that one <laughs> it's, it's a kind cool, of it's a very cool song yeah um uh, then touch the paul I, williams dude, track I, I knew that you were gonna say touch because i don't like that song <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and then uh, get lucky because we have to talk about get lucky starting with me uh the game of love i so this was one i listened to it again so as i said i think this is my favorite one that you favorite album that you've shared with me um, so far for this podcast, uh, which is I interesting. I never thought this would be, you know, well, I didn't either. That. I did not either. So, you know, I was like, okay, like I kind of like, I had heard lucky and I think I'd heard like a couple of the other Daft Punk hits, but you probably heard the, um, the radio versions I'm sure. Cause there's the get lucky on this album is just a different song <laughs> from the get lucky that was on the radio. I, I thought so. I thought there was a little bit. There's like an intro, like guitar-like lick and stuff, right? Yeah, it's longer too. So this is six okay. minutes long, and the radio okay. version, of course, was like you know three Can't minutes. Six minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so here's I I do not like that song. Get lucky, not because of like the lyrical content or anything. I just don't overall think it fits the album, which is interesting. Uh, I'll interesting. let you talk about it later. But, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. So I've yeah yeah um. So, but I, I wanted to say that because I don't, if, if that was an indication of what the album was, that's why I was apprehensive to listen to it. Cause I was like, you know, it's, it, it's like a fun little bop, but you know, I'm like, okay, is this just going to be another like EDM album? Like the last one I listened to, which again, not bad, just doesn't feel musically significant. Instead, I was like, oh, I think it's, it's almost like. I, well, first, I think the musicality of this album is very good. I think that what Daft Punk is doing musically is very cool. It oh, yeah. makes it makes sense 
you know, it's like they'll, they'll riff on like a synthesizer and it's like, okay, that's something that like they don't do in the other EDM, right? Like just like the, uh, the arena EDM where it's like, oh, we're here to have fun and dance and here's the drop. It's like, you know, doing like a harmony or I mean a melody lick on the synthesizer after the chorus is not riffing on the synthesizer. That's just doing what everybody expects you to do. It's every marshmallow song. Uh, but they are like, they feel like musicians. They feel like they're making conscious choices on the music they're making. And it also, I don't know if it's affected by the album artwork, but it feels kind of like a darker EDM. Like something feels a little, like it feels more emotional than yeah. I think a lot of the other ones did. It's not about fun times and stuff. It's like there's a little more mood to this record than I was anticipating. And I think that's why I liked it. Um, so, you know, starting with like the game of love, it's very much, I thought it was like a shot A, like early 90s, like uh, baby making jazz. It was like a, even like, let's say like a Kenny G, like a late 80s Kenny G, like the beginning is like very easy listening jazz is how it, how it is. And then his voice comes in with like that, like crazy cool, like robot. Oh man, like it feels good. It's like, I don't know. There's like, so the reason I picked, I think the songs that I picked was because I just think the vibes are really cool. There's like the instruments feel very, yeah, like easy listening jazz, but also like there's, you know, a little bit of that like EDM element to it, a little bit of the like, or I shouldn't say EDM, I should say electronic. Uh, but it's like, I don't know. There's just, there, there is a really cool, vibe to it a really cool mood that that gets set in that song and it's like i'm into it i don't know yes. there's nothing like too much that i have to like actually say about it. i just like you know it starts off fine with give life back to music but then when it gets to that song, i'm like oh man something feels like thoughtful about it i so it's you know. um this whole album is just like a, a huge like essentially and you can tell by the people that they have julian casablanca's pharrell williams paul williams like the people they have on this track on this album, I should say, Nile Rodgers, um, is, and with that first track, Give Life Back to Music, they're like specifically saying what they're trying to do. Um, and it's weird too that they became such a hit. Number two on the Billboard charts, Get Lucky, attempting to make this project that's all about everything you just mentioned. That's not just like riffing for the sake of riffing. It's just like music that just feels good <laughs> like there's no other way yeah. to describe it like and it just feels right um and you've got like these soulful like even on the game of love the sort of the last half we get him like singing through uh um uh, i think it's a talk box and and soloing with it and so we get that
I was like, going to say, is that the one where he's doing it, where they like do the keyboard parts and they like harmonize the keyboard part? Yeah, they're basically, yeah. yeah. So uh, um, again, I forget which one this is, but just so you know out there, faithful viewers and listeners, um, a vocoder is, and there is a difference between the two. So a vocoder is a, you essentially play a keyboard while singing and so the keyboard tells the software what pitches to make and your mouth (laughs) singing through is essentially the controller so like when you make a noise then the keyboard starts to speak and it's influenced by the um the pitches you're singing and the vowels you make uh and so it's like both if your voice and a synthesizer were happening at the same time that's essentially what you're getting now a talk box is essentially a speaker going through a tube into your mouth. <laughs> and so, it's, like, it was made famous by Bon Jovi at the beginning of uh, what's that song? Uh, is it Living on a Prayer? Where it's uh, like, well, does wow, it, wow, 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 wow. Oh, wow, does he do that wow. on? I didn't even yeah, know that. Bon it's through a talk. It. Yeah. The only time I had ever seen talk boxes was in rock bands, like really like jammy, bluesy kind of classic rock bands. Yeah, so it's um, it's like Daft Punk. It pretty much like again the and we're gonna talk about it on the Georgia Maroder track, um, where it's so like back in 1997 with their debut, they debuted their album when I was born. So it's you know a love <laughs> match made in heaven, um, and it's they kind of just like again, it's all about the sound of the future and like these crazy. But anyway, what a talk box is is uh sort of what i said so when you're playing on the um the keyboard then the sound goes into the person's mouth and then they can make whatever shape they want to with their mouth and the sound comes back out their mouth but it's like um so they both give you a different sound i'm pretty sure this one's a talk box this song um and so they can change their their oral cavity but they're not actually making that's what's so crazy about these talk boxes. They're not saying anything. So with a vocoder, you're speaking into a microphone, and then it's kind of modulating it with the synthesizer. A talk box, the only thing that's making any sound is the synthesizer, and then it goes through their mouth. But if they form their mouth into the shape, so like the game of love, if they're like speaking those, if they're mouthing those words, what you hear is a synthesizer talking to you. <laughs> so it's like, uh... it's super cool. Um, super cool um okay so yeah and then the game of love again the riff all their riffing throughout this album there's like none of it is like this super crazy it's just kind of this laid back super just feels good Mm -hmm. um you know and it's just like again i don't know how to yeah the ending part it's like this smoky noir vibe um and you're right so it's it's this album isn't trying to be anything huge or big at all with any of the tracks it's just like let's just give life back to music you know like mm-hmm. this is what this is what music's about it's just supposed to feel good it's supposed to make you want to dance and uh like you know lose yourself to dance later on the pharrell williams track um lose yourself to dance <laughs> yeah so That's it's like best you know. pharrell impression um so yeah let's go on to giorgio by Maroder. uh yeah you know such an interesting title so Giorgio Moroder is known by many to be the king of disco. 
he basically invented disco, <laughs> you know, um, if there's such a thing. Uh, and so at the opening, it's this coffee shop in the background. And it, so we both picked this. So we'll both kind of share, I guess, a lot of what we're talking about. Um, coffee shop in the background, and he's just sitting there talking about his music experience. And became. And so, and just a little bit of a background on him. He wrote the music for Superman 3, Scarface, The NeverEnding Story. He's written for Janet Jackson and David Bowie. He wrote the Take My Breath Away song from Top Gun. Um, his E equals MC squared was the first fully digitally recorded album ever. So, like, this guy uh, is a legend, and that's kind of what they wanted to do was these these legends that set forth the quote-unquote sound of the future, which he talks about in this track. And it feels so right. So it's the background music comes in and the coffee shop stuff stops, and we just get this classic, like, Daft Punk groove. Almost two years to survive in the beginning. I wanted to do an album with the sounds of the 50s, the sounds of the 60s, of the 70s, and then have sound of the future. Um, he starts to talk about the discotheque, and then he starts saying, I wanted to figure out what the sound of the future was going to be. Um, and then I realized it was the synthesizer. And so I put on a click track, and then everything cuts out. And we just have click, 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 you know. And then he says, my name is Giorgio Moroder, but people call me Georgie. And then, boom. I knew that boom. could be a sound of the future. But I didn't realize how much the impact would be. My name is Giovanni Giorgio, but everybody calls me Giorgio. And it just feels so good. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's tight. Yeah, we get the hit, and it's it's um it's not again it's not loud, but it it still hits like it's loud. You know, it's still a drop, right. uh, and it's so it's like their approach to electronic music isn't just a straight beat with a big loud drop. Their drop hits because it's just like so well paced, so well timed. And it's the instruments and the grooves that they set up that are just so good. What do you have to say about this before I even move on? Uh, this I, is your song too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. With, I think, uh, again, like uh, an overlap with Brand New is the storytelling. And it's legitimately a 100, it's storytelling. This is actually like, a story, yeah. Yeah, and so he's just telling his life story. And I think that it progresses. And like the music gets not louder, but gets bigger. You have like that symphonic swell that comes in and the pulsing beat throughout you know and um my favorite i think it's great a lot of these songs are actually really long 
but they don't feel too long because I think what they do is set a mood like we've been talking about. But um, my favorite part is at the end where it all slows back down to the click. It doesn't slow down, but it feels like it's slowing down and the elements are being removed until it's, and that bass is being manipulated till it's back to the click they started with. And it's like, Oh man, (laughs) like, it's like, that's cool. And it's like, that's a song like that's awesome yeah. it's like and it didn't start with the click it started with him talking yeah and then music then him talking then the click and then you know the rest of like the instrumentation then the click comes back at the end it's like man i don't know there's something like it was a really cool moment um yeah it's super that, cool yeah i was just like that's that's tight so i that stood out to me immediately like the storytelling aspect, the really cool riffing, uh, the building up of the musicality and then ending the way that it did, I think it was just like a really, really cool song. Yeah. So about like three and a half minutes in too, again, we get their classic like Daft Punk stuff. Um, we get this build up and it kind of leaves. And then we get this, just this, such a, a incredible like keyboard solo. It was just so much soul in it. Um, but it's like almost like you wouldn't notice it because it's it's weird. They don't put it front and center. It's like behind <laughs> that that sort of like wobble yeah. bass and stuff. Um, and it's it's just again. So you this album is loved and respected by you know audiophiles everywhere because um, I do think that this is the kind of an album that you kind of need to listen to at a higher volume, and then you need to listen with like a good pair of headphones or a good set of speakers or something like, and cause the value out of this album, this song especially is from hearing all of the small thing, all the small things um, yeah. that happen and that go around in the background. And it's like, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. And you'll just think, Oh, this is just the same thing for eight minutes. Um, but it's like, they, they just layer stuff on top of each other so well. And then it's like, I felt like a, their album, I think, makes me feel so good because it makes me feel like a kid in a candy store because I'm like, I become focused on this one part and I'm like, this is super cool. And then all of a sudden, like in the background, in the distance, I hear this guitar lick and I'm like, what's that over there? You know, and then I hear I hear like a DJ scratch table and I'm like, what's that? And then I hear like wind chimes and I'm like, what's that? So like, you know, this this album makes me feel like a kid in a candy store. But I'm with you on that. That's cool. It's uh, nine. uh, You'll notice the three songs I picked. This one is nine minutes long. Touch is eight minutes long. And then Get Lucky is six minutes long. Um, the only song that's longer than Get Lucky is Contacts. But other than that, I picked the three longest songs on the album. And I didn't even mean to. <laughs> it was go. just like um, the songs that I thought were the coolest. So uh, you picked, uh, uh, you said Within? No, uh, I picked. Uh, sorry. The last one I picked was Con. Or no. Sorry. Beyond. So we'll talk about, you want to talk about touch and get lucky. Oh, okay. Um, that's right, because your first one was the game of love. My bad. Okay. It's all, um, it's all good. Touch. So when I first, like you, when I first listened to this song, I didn't like it. Um, and then I tell you what made me really like it was when I was listening to it in detail so I could write notes for this. And I was like, there's a lot in this song. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even so I think, I think the bridge is tight. And I think what I don't like about it isn't much, but it's enough to make me be like, 
Uh, like, so I so don't what don't like, you like it? I don't like, I don't even think it's his singing. I think it's his cadence. I didn't either. That was exactly what I didn't like. Where do I belong? Tell me what you see. I need something more. Kiss suddenly alive, happiness arrive, hunger like a storm. How do I begin? A room within a room, a door behind a door. Touch, where do you lead? I need something more. Tell me what you see. I need something. Because I, I don't like his, like, it's not, well, it sounds like he's in a musical, like, either on TV or in, like, on stage, like, singing out these emotions. And it's like, okay, that's fine, but it feels like it doesn't work on this particular song. And I definitely don't like the part where it's like, I need something more. Or it's like Sauron's voice, like, yeah. real creepy at the end. I think that it's cool when it, then it, like, stops and he's like, touch. And it's like, Oh, is that it? And then it's like, oh, I need something more. It's like, what? And then it's like, then it doesn't rhyme and it's the Kate. And then I'm like, what? But the the bridge though, with like the like choir singing and like yeah. that melody, I'm into that. This song it's is just, like five different songs. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm a fan of like the third and fourth song, but not <laughs> the other ones. Like, I don't know. I think it's his cadence and his like, his delivery because i'm like it just doesn't feel like it fits on this record and on this song but that's that's me yeah interesting so that was what i didn't like and then i got over it <laughs> but there you go uh, for lack of a better word but um so rainbow connection man himself paul williams muppets man um makes an appearance on this and sings uh, on the front, which is weird because he's mostly a songwriter. I mean, he sings, but, um, and then, so the track opens up like super mysterious. Like, I feel like I'm about to be in a horror film or like an alien movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we get like this fake out and then he's like, touch, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's just, it's just keyboard and Paul Williams. And he's like, where do I belong? Uh, and, and things start to get more emotional and they get a little bit louder and Paul Williams starts to like belt a little bit. Um, and then we freeze for longer, like for way longer than you want to be frozen <laughs> for. <laughs> and you're just like, uh, 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 and then boom. And then we get this bass. Oh my God. I just love like the, chicka, 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 the, the bass in the background after it, it, it hits. And then we get an instrumental break. We get this strange instrumental solo later. Um, and then it's like by itself and then everything comes back in and again it just like it just feels good
And then we get this section, which is like very Paul Williams to me, um, which reminds me of Disney because it's like when all the Dixieland jazz band stuff comes in, and it reminds me of like the the Frog and the Prince, um, or wait, wait, Princess right? and the Frog, Princess and the Frog. <laughs> what <laughs> like where did this, this whole this whole song just takes me for a ride because it's like where did this come from like why why am i listening to a clarinet solo in a daft punk song yeah. um you know and then we get a daft punk like vocoder talk box feature towards the end that so we get like a reverse and like slow down section um almost breakdown and then the daft punk vocoder talk box feature comes in um which is very well placed i think um, and then we get this huge, big, like theatrical piano sound. Again, this is like combining a lot of genres, like you said, um, during the breakdown. And this is where the choir starts to come in too, is this part. So this is the part you like. Yeah, I, I, we're think, talking it's, about now. I think it's tight for sure. Um, yeah, we get the choir in the background. Um, and then there's like, we start to get like this build up with these ascending strings and it's almost like a... Like, it reminds me of, like, a horror movie, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, which, too, is just, like, why did they... Who, like, who thought of this? Like, that's what impresses me the most, is, like, who in the world thought about putting all these things together? And then we go into a totally different section and then everything else. So this song, this bridge section, as we're calling it, is like um, everything is one, three, one, three. And everything else on the album is one, two, three, four, one, two. You know, everything else has yeah. like the emphasis, the claps on the, the two and four, which is like, you know, how jazz of you. And then this one is the <laughs> most like pop with one and three emphasis. 
Um, again, I get a lot of like Disney vibes from this. Um, and then the, the theme comes back in, but it's only the choir. Uh, and crescendos once again, and it just leaves. And then only Paul is left. And there's this piano, and he's singing just this ballad. And he pulls us back in, and I feel like I don't want it to end. And then we end on just like this augmented chord that's just like, wow. Yeah, that's a bizarre chord, for sure. To like end the whole song on. Yeah. Um, and the, I need something more. I think in theory, like here, I was thinking <laughs> they probably are fans of it, but I was like, what if they didn't actually like it, but didn't want to tell him because they had already like paid him or something to be on it? Like, it's like, you know, what if that's not actually what they were going for? And they were like, maybe I didn't want like a musical guy. Like just that second verse was like, kiss suddenly alive. And it's like, what like that it does feel like again like a musical like disney or something it's like what if they were like oh man actually paul we like didn't want you to do that but like okay fine (laughs) so i like i don't know absolutely love it but i understand why somebody wouldn't be able to like get over his singing and everything um yeah but it's 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 definitely the style and the cadence that i'm just like because i was even trying to think like as i was listening through it i was like what would i like about this to make it or like what 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 would change to make me like it you know like is it because he's like touch i remember touch (laughs) instead of like is it like do i want it to be more groovy like the way that they're doing the rest of their like vocoder talk box stuff like i bet i bet i would like it feels smoother instead his is like very like i don't know i don't know how to describe it but there's something that's how i felt because it feels like out of place because it's certainly the most um talk about like diverse sounds this is definitely the most out there track on the album yeah Um, for sure but i'll tell you what before i started really actively taking my notes on this album i knew when i brought up this album and i said let's try to do just three songs i said i know i'm gonna do giorgio by marauder get lucky and doing it right and i knew that i was gonna do those three songs and then i was taking my notes and I got to touch and I was listening to it more in depth than I ever had before because I feel like I didn't give it as much of a chance as it deserved because yeah. I was like, I don't like his voice. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, this is just so perfect. <laughs> like, this is just such a good, you know, this might be my favorite song now on the album. Um, crazy that that changed just this past yeah. week. So I, you know, I, I moved from doing it right over to touch because i knew i wanted to talk about the other two songs for sure. doing it right is a so. tight song though we won't get to talk about it but I, yeah it's so funny it's way on the back end yeah but it's but it it came on when i was i was like oh that's them and it's <laughs> on this record oh this song's a jam so yeah um, but yeah it is it's it's a bizarre touch is, a, is an interesting song but i also knew as soon as i heard it i was like Nick's gonna like this one and Nick's gonna like uh 
I believe you put my Tommy gun down. I knew that those two, like, <laughs> I, I think I've almost got you nailed down on like, yeah, that's why I think it'd be fun if I were to pick like, maybe, maybe from now on you pick like one song that you think would be in one of my top three on both albums. And I'll pick a song that I think would be in your top three. Yeah. We can, we can try it. Direct. We can try. Cause it. I think I'm think I'm starting to figure you out. I think. And it ended up winning, going on to win record of the year. Uh, and album of the year so the album one album of the year um what does that mean record versus album i'm not sure what it means so okay. daft punk or sorry get lucky won record of the year so i guess record is like oh are they still single, doing yeah okay okay like a single um yeah. and then the album random access memories won album of the year all right get lucky groovy melody i love it um and then the the chord progression moves almost entirely in thirds and i love that so b minor to d major to f sharp minor and then just down one step to e and then it goes back to just these piano static static chords come in the grooving guitar line um yeah once one record of the year one album of the year it also won best duo performance of the year After the first chorus, the synth plays the offbeats in the background. Like the legend of the phoenix, all ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? Ah, the force from the beginning. like just in time for Pharrell to come back in and then we get these hand claps towards the end again it's like this album which this stuff uh, it's way less the radio version is way more you know I mean dumbed down for a bit lack of a better word <laughs> as far as like what's going sure. on in the background um, but it's like it's really cool the very end the sound totally changes and we get this synth um, Reminds me of classic Daft Punk, like Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger from Discovery, which is probably my favorite Daft Punk song and probably favorite album. Um, the claps and then Pharrell comes back in again with the best part of the whole song. We get this final chorus.
yeah, I don't know. Get lucky. I'm just kind of like. I feel like you you. It's it's a bop, as you say. <laughs> like it's it's groovy, but like, uh, it's one of those examples. So I thought about a lot about it, where I was like, it's the pre-chorus that is what sells this song. Like the guitar is sweet, but it's the pre-chorus. We've come too far. Like that part is what draws everybody in. The chorus, meh. We're up all night. We're up all night for good fun. Come on, Pharrell. Couldn't come up with a better line than that. But like, but that's it's not you know, and that's which I'm going to talk about too when I talk about the things this album, quote unquote, suffers from. Um, yeah. Is it's this album, which I felt like is why you wouldn't like this album at all because it's not about the lyrics whatsoever. Yeah. It's all well, about th- everything behind the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, and I think that for that song. Whereas like the other songs are like long and kind of brooding or like they set a mood. It's like that song feels more like a single, more like a radio hit. Even if I had never heard it on the radio, that's what it I don't feels know. like I, it's trying to be. I feel like it's because you've heard it so much on the, you know, I feel like if you've never heard this song before, you'd like it more than you do. But that's just my, it could be true, but I just feel like that's another one of those things where it's like with touch but that touch is just that one part of that song. The rest of the song still feels right. They get, I don't know. I just, I don't know. But the pre-chorus is, I think, what sells it. And it's the same with like that, uh, I was singing about um, Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon. Yeah. How, I, so I was in a band that covered that song. And my favorite part, and I think what gets everybody excited is not the chorus. It's that part where it's the pre-chorus though. She took my arm. It's like there's this big buildup. With that song, it's not a big buildup, but it's just like that's the dynamic shift and then back into the chorus that everybody can like groove to. And I feel like it's the same with Get Lucky where it's like the drawn in, the catchy part is that pre-chorus. I think that is what kind of like gets us there. But I don't know. That's my, my not interpretation, my extraction i don't know what i'm <laughs> trying to say but whatever, yeah. yeah it's like that's that's what i'm getting out of it is like it's it, the pre-course is really what sells it because i think that's where the dynamic shifts for just the right amount of time to get people into what then becomes a very similar repeated melody for a majority of the song but yeah but that's so that's the whole album though <laughs> you know like every song on the album is the same exact way it's all about the build-up and then the melody is the same exact thing the entire song which is like what a lot of people um had and we'll get to this at the end because i wanted to i like to go on a metacritic specifically um to look at like the albums we review and i also like to read the user reviews so what's interesting is brand new had of course a lower critical score and then a much higher user rating so it had 8.8 from users and this album had 8.3 from users and also the brand new album had zero negative user reviews and daft punk has like a handful you know which being 
a pop album that wins Grammy album of the year lends itself to hate. <laughs> That's just yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, Daft Punk is a much, much, much bigger band than brand new. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up and I want to talk about it cause it's funny. Some of the, the stuff that people say they don't like about, it, I just find it funny, but <laughs> yeah, I, but, and, and like, like I've mentioned, like, I like this album a lot. I think it's the, I just think it's that, I don't know. Something about yeah, I can understand. Why, like, I can understand why you don't. Like, I feel but, like the reason you don't like this song though is because it was a critically acclaimed pop radio hit. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it was number two on the Billboard charts, so it was you know it was the biggest Daft Punk has ever been, which I think is a reason why a lot of these negative reviews are in um, huh. for the same reason because Daft Punk had never been this big before. And people are like mad <laughs> that like other uh, people are listening uh, to them. I don't know. I don't think that's don't why I don't like it because I have no. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, you beyond. Is that the one? Stake in the game. I, I mean, Imagine Dragons like, huh? Oh, oh you, you cut out. Oh, <laughs> whoops. I'm here. Okay. I didn't know Am you I were back? talking. Yeah, you're oh. back. I was just going to say, like, Imagine Dragons, like, when they released their songs, like, uh, shoot, what were the singles off of that, like, Evolve? Uh, Which one? Their newer ones? So they they had, like, Radio no. App, and then... No, now that, that's an old like, song. Now they have Believer, and now they have... Yeah, like, Believer and stuff, Thunder. where it's, like, Thunder. Yeah, so it's, like, those songs were on the top, and, like, I don't mind those songs. Those songs oh, I hate those songs. And do you hate <laughs> so them because much. they're on the top? I love Believer, and I've always loved Believer because I was like, "Whoa, this is good." Uh, Thunder, I always hated, um, and then huh. and then I was like, "I was like, it's okay because they're playing Thunder on the radio, but everybody else is gonna realize that Believer's better because Believer was first. That was on yeah, the radio yeah. first, and so I was like, you know, this is gonna definitely take over, um, and it didn't. Thunder won in the end, and I was very upset about it." <laughs> And then I listened to the whole Imagine Dragons album, and I was like, "This whole album isn't good." <laughs> except wow, for, except See, for and I have Believer. a very, I have a very <laughs> different take, and the that's a critically that that's like a Billboard chart, uh, yeah, Billboard it is. chart topping album and song. So like, it I is. think that whole album is actually really cool and really diverse, and I like his voice a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't really like Imagine Dragons that much. Really? I like Bastille a lot. Bastille, I really like. Are they comparable? <laughs> uh, for some reason, in my mind, they, they are. are. They, they had those singles because they have the because they have the singer that plays the big bass drum. Because <laughs> the singles <laughs> the singles came out in like a, a similar time, right? I hold Imagine oh, Dragons, sure. Bastille, One Republic. So they they're like all, peers, yeah. Yeah, they were all like I guess contemporaries of each other. I could um, see that. I could see that. Is the the um, wording for it? But anyway, yeah, so Beyond, the following song, After Get Lucky, I like Beyond because that was, again, like, wait, is this a film score? Are we, am I, like, in Star Wars right now?
was a neat way to introduce a song. And then it's like, well, I forget the first word, but it's like, what is it like time or something? It's like, I got, oh, dream beyond dreams. And it's like, but they of course do it with their like crazy effects on it. And I don't know, it's like just a cool, again, like I think it has a very similar mood to the game of love where it's like this kind of like real, like dark kind of brooding, moody, groovy, jazzy thing. And after like the film score, I don't know. I just think it's a neat song where I'm like, it is. this is cool. I'm into it. Like it's different. Um, yeah, that's what, Again, like, I don't think there's, like, too much stuff that I have to say about the songs that I picked. I just think that they are, like, cool. Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super, uh, super cool. Um, so it's, um, and this is what got me into Daft Punk, because it's, um, and this is also kind of, like, what skyrocketed, or not skyrocketed, but, like, re- introduced Pharrell Williams into like the pop ethos because everybody my age um had no idea who he was <laughs> you know and then mm. it's like oh he was featured on Get Lucky um then after that he released Happy um and now oh, everybody right. knows yeah. who he is so um it, which it, okay I have a question for you sure what why am I like not a hundred percent a fan of his singing voice what does he I, what does he do does he double it there's like something that he does, like, like especially on Lose Yourself to Dance when he comes in, it like seems like something, it doesn't like sit right in the music or there's something where it's like. It's weird because it's like, it's you, um, you don't like the way these voices like sit, but it's like, I don't know. I think it works so well. Like, I don't, yeah, think, well, I don't think anybody but Pharrell could have done this. Um, you just don't like, I guess, well, yeah. So there's I don't, like. I don't doubt that Pharrell can can do it and sing it i i'm just like what there's something about it that's just like i don't yeah. know what it is that he's doing with his voice like it sounds like there's a little it might be a little bit of layering um and it's certainly like uh um the song is like his singing and the singing in the whole song too so like that's one of these one of these reviews here um what do he say i don't get the hype or whatever yeah yeah he says uh it sounds like they just threw a bunch of sounds together just so they could make this, <laughs> just so they could make some songs that are really long instead of actually making <laughs> that are good. Oh, I um, wish he would have just left it there just so they could make some songs that are really long. <laughs> like, what a funny review that was. And then he, yeah, he says it drags on. The singing is monotone on 50% of the album and you hear the same thing over and over again. Um, and he's like, this is not mm, music. I don't know about monotone. <laughs> but... Um, but like, I understand what he's saying and the fact that it's like, you know, like he just sings lose your, like if you look up these, everybody complained about, you know, yummy. Cause the lyrics are girl, you got that yummy, 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 yummy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is, yeah. I don't know what that is. What's, yummy? Oh, it's a Justin Bieber song. It was huge. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Yeah, you got that yummy, yum, that yummy, yum, that yummy, yummy. Say the word on my way. Yeah, babe, yeah, babe, yeah, babe. Any night, any day. Say the word on my way. Yeah, babe, yeah, babe, yeah, babe. In the morning or late. Say the word on my way. Bonafide. Static. It 
doesn't work because there's nothing interesting going on in that song, right? Like that's why it doesn't work. But it's like with Lose Yourself to Dance, there's all this stuff happening behind it. Even though he says Lose Yourself to Dance a million times in a row. interesting is i i mind that song i i like that song i don't think that song is bad i think it's I when he song. comes in with his vocal i'm just like it feels something feels like he's Strange. sitting a little higher up or like it's not that he's not in key i think it's the way he sings where it's like just it's like falsetto or yeah but it's like not fully falsetto if that yeah. makes sense it's very but thin yeah it feels like right in between head voice and like chest voice or whatever it's like right there and it's something about it just kind of like oh i wanted to commit to one or the other and he's right in the middle maybe yeah. that's what it is yeah that probably is what it is yeah um and he's like that too on like get lucky it's very similar as well and it's almost like he's kind of like disassociated from i can understand what you're saying you know because he's sort of like disassociated from the daft punk stuff that's happening which is kind of like a, a theme and all their vocalists although i will say um, I think Instant Crush, uh, Julian Casablancas, like that's the best incorporation or integration I felt like of a um, uh, guest singer on the album. I think that his voice besides works panda bear so well oh yeah the panda bear is really good too yeah i forgot um that's so i just like that song though doing it right everybody will be dancing and we're feeling it right everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right everybody will be dancing and we're feeling all right everybody will be dancing tonight doing it right everybody will be dancing and we're feeling it right everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right everybody will be dancing and we're feeling all right everybody will be dancing tonight doing it right Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling alright. Everybody will be dancing tonight, doing it right. 
Everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling alright. Everybody will be dancing tonight, doing it right. Everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling alright. Everybody will be dancing tonight, doing it right. Everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and we're feeling alright. Everybody will be dancing tonight, doing it right. Everybody will be dancing and we'll feeling it right. Everybody will be dancing and be something just like it starts off and you're just like okay like it's almost like guilty it's like your skittles <laughs> yeah something about it is just like all right i yeah yeah i'm into it and like the claps like uh i don't know just like yeah I'm that does it. that also does work really well um and it's yeah. very and i think that might be especially when you have instant crush or julian casablancas just does a great performance and he sounds so right in here um and then it goes to like lose yourself to dance, touch, and get lucky, where it's like, um, I don't know. It feels like it's like not, I guess not what we expected, you know, as a vocal feature. Yeah, and like I know that, and I think it's also because he doesn't show any of his back to Pharrell. Like it seems like he's sticking with that delivery instead of like, you know, um, happy. It changes you know not a ton but there's a little bit more where his voice sits a little bit more where it's like raise your hand or it's a little bit lower instead of that one where it's just like i know you're and it's like that's all he sticks with lose yourself dance and it's like yeah. instead of like change, i don't know maybe it's just the key that it's in he's just like here's what i got to do or whatever and it's not that i'm saying it's a bad singer there's just something about the the way that it, maybe it's mixed or I don't know something about like the way that it sits where I'm just like because it sits uh, like it's um especially Pharrell in particular he sits uh way the way it's like EQ'd and mastered he's like way above everything else right that's yeah, happening and yeah. so it sort of sounds like Daft Punk is like performing on the ground and then like above you. <laughs> in yeah. a hot air balloon <laughs> Pharrell Williams Pharrell. Like, yeah so yeah. it sort of feels like he's very distant from everything else that's going on that's the yeah. vibe I get um, okay so you get you get what I'm saying it just I understand yeah. to get there yeah. I understand what you're saying um, 100% yeah so Beyond's cool uh, the rest of the songs are great Contact is just a neat song that yeah. was my that was my my honorable mention I, I was like at first, it was Contact Beyond and Giorgio Mor- by Moroto, but I was like, Moroder, but I was like, I don't know. I got to give some love to the game of love. I, yeah. And this is hard because I, like, I, I, I vibe talk about that. Instant Crush. I wanted to talk about Lose Yourself to Dance. 
I wanted to talk about contact. I wanted to talk about doing it right. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff. motherboard. I wanted to talk about. So it's. I think it's cool that we're doing the three songs thing because it's really hard to pick just three. Um, but yeah, even just true. doing three songs each, we still managed to go for two hours. So. Uh, mission right. not accomplished. Mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you still have to say, what are the three things that don't work? Yeah, well, let's, oh yeah, we'll end it with the good stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and mine has a lot to do with, I, I, I wrote these, I promise you, I wrote these before I read these <laughs> negative reviews, but okay. they're all the same things that these people say, and I knew that they would. Um, okay. So it can come off as too repetitive because they focus a lot on that minimalism and having like a lick that remains the same and changing very small things in the background. Um, so it can come off as too repetitive, especially if you don't have the audio equipment to really listen to it or if you just aren't paying attention. Um, might be a little too subdued. Instead of having any big hits, it emphasizes these points by focusing on the choir, more subdued side of things, I wrote. Um, and there's like one of these albums um, following heavily short of their expectations, he says. Um, and he also says that, yeah, the beginning of this album feels like it's about to build into something epic, which quite frankly never comes. So I just, <laughs> And I just, that might be why, and that's probably why I liked it. Because it wasn't about the big hit or the big single. Yeah. They had a big single. It wasn't like... Even that um, one, though, it wasn't really like anything else on the radio, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. So... Um, there isn't a ton of lyrical development really in anything. Um, and the, the songs really rely on lyrical repetition because they're kind of using these people's voices as an instrument more than, <laughs> you know. And their, and their voices too, right? And their voices as well. Yeah. Um, they literally use their voices as an instrument because right. they use talk boxes and vocoders and stuff. So what are three things this album does well? They have very few lyrics. They build-ups to hits that never happen and it's just the same thing for so, so, so they can nobody, go on for too long nobody should listen to it there's nothing <laughs> good about it uh <laughs> i think i think what it does well is it uh i think it does a good job i'm just looking at kind of like i'm on genius for some of this stuff and they were like fascinated by disco yeah. The idea that like you can continue a song for longer and just have the same groove and like it, I didn't know since I'm not familiar with disco, like I wouldn't have known that, but it makes so much sense. So I'm like, that's what I think they do well is in so much different than like the classic, which is it's not really classic, but now I guess you could say classic EDM, right? With like the buildups and the drops and like the very skittles, <laughs> the very like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know what's coming, whereas this one is way more about setting a mood, setting a tone, a groove, you know, like, and making it effective, too. Like, not everybody wants to just, like, bop their heads for, like, six minutes, and that's fine, but I'm into that, you know? And, like, I have mentioned easy listening jazz. Like, that's kind of what it reminds me of, and, like, I'm into that, and... I don't, so like, I think it's a good like palate cleanser if you are, like, I think it's very, I don't know, it's like very clean sounding. It's very easy to listen to. Um, 
it's you know if, if you're listening to a lot of like rock and roll with emotion like the brand new record and then you go listen to this yeah you're not gonna like feel it as much in your heartstrings but you're gonna just be like in a nice content space i think and it's not like overly happy or overly sad it's just kind of like groovy and i think that that is <laughs> yeah. something that is like done really well where it's like you know even like the upbeat dance songs like give life back to music or like lose yourself to dance or get lucky like or fragments of time like those things are are dance songs but like you said there's nothing like too crazy too loud too like lose your breath to them because you're moving too fast it's like it's very like easy to just kind of like dance and bop so i think that that's something uh successful i think that they're super successful at incorporating a lot like you mentioned a ton of musical elements into their songs if you are have a good ear i suppose um but if you're willing to listen for it i think that they use their electronic elements and and the regular instruments you know acoustic instruments i think they use them all very tastefully um which i guess plays into the third one that yeah maybe they are like robot voices or like using their voices through instruments but i think they use it extremely effectively i don't think they yeah. overdo it um you know especially like the game of love it's like it's just like so smooth like the game of love. it's like and then break it, like they really use it as like this kind of like segue into the music and i think it's really effective so i think the use of the instrumentation i think the the ability to set a tone that is like not darker like minor chords but just kind of like like a dim lit disco club <laughs> like i don't know there's something about it and uh i think the way that they use their voice with the vocoder talk box stuff is is uh extremely effective yeah it definitely isn't overdone or, or, or anything i agree yeah it's and that's that's the key to artistry right it's not how much you can throw in but how much you can restrain um and so i imagine with like edm like you know it can be easy to just be like all right let me hit this synthesizer with the volume all the way up and the bass all the way up and like all these tones but it's like they were able to restrain and cut a lot out and then say, Oh, well, I'll just go for like seven minutes long and I'll put that part in at like the three minute mark when I feel like now something can happen here. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's an artistic decision. And I think the musicality of it is really what kind of like drew me into it. And this, this, um, yeah, this, this album with like, uh, again, everything you're, you're talking about. Um, and it's, the whole thing is trying to like harken back to kind of this like more soulful, like more specifically disco, you know, they have a lot of other like R and B elements and funk elements and they're combining a lot of genres, but they're really trying to harken back to like disco and just like yeah. losing yourself to dance as reckoned in that song. Um, yeah. And just kind of learning to like groove with a beat, letting a groove last a while. So you can just kind of sit, and enjoy it and it's interesting because like that first song kind of sets up the whole point of the album is give life back to music and they're breathing life into music not via more sound and <laughs> bigger drops and like yeah. you know um they're just like breathing life just by it just grooving <laughs> and it's like you know it's like they 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 gave it more life by removing 
so many elements. Um, yeah. And like you, like you said, showing restraint. So I know I wasn't supposed to talk about the good things, but okay. Uh, no, I'm into that. That's fine, dude. That's fine. <laughs> so so uh, let me tell the people why to listen to Brand New if they want to know why. So listen to Brand New if you want very cool, diverse rock that the... I was about to say something really cool and I forgot it. <laughs> well, just if you want to listen to like some, uh, if you're into like rock and roll and you want to listen to a diverse sounding record with a bunch of different like ups and downs and tones and changes that have like storytelling to it, um, especially from the beginning track to the really cool acoustic closer with a ton of vocal parts and stuff like if any of that sounds appealing to you and you feel also a little sad <laughs> you listen to that record uh, this is interesting i when i was in high school one of my theory teachers was all about like the theory of pop music and stuff and look unfortunately he left but um and he was talking about like why we listen to sad music and why we enjoy it and apparently when you listen to sad music it emotes the chemicals in your brain that are produced when you're sad as far as like the ones that kind of try to make you feel better without producing the actual sad chemicals so it's mm. like you feel you feel sad but you like feel good <laughs> like Ooh. so it's like like that's why we like it that's um, which why i, thought I was always write sad songs that's yeah. just the way it goes so all right let's talk about the things that we talked about why you should listen to both let's talk about the things that they both have in common so here's what i said um they both utilize very well the concept of maintaining interest through subtle changes um i thought they both did a good job of that they both don't focus on creating these huge sounds and instead opt for focusing on kind of removing sound, showing restraint. I think both yeah. albums did that. Um, they both utilize repetition and that I think works well. Um, they both tend to, I say, tease the listener by like making you think a big hits about to happen and just not giving it to you when you want it. Um, and they do things to thicken up the texture uh, and they both, apparently live off of a lot of mystique i didn't know that. that's right. like you know daft punk nobody's really seen their faces uh the people who had to work with them for this album had to like sign releases <laughs> and then Whoa. you know um so it's and some of them like giorgio uh i'm pretty sure in an interview he said he worked with their producer like he didn't even work with them directly like he had to sign a thing that said that he would keep their faces private and not take pictures and then he showed up and they weren't even there <laughs> so he just wow. like he just recorded he just recorded himself talking about his life and then they just wrote a song around it so that's tight um it's you know crazy and apparently they did the same thing what did you think yeah. was similar you you got them all like okay what am I supposed <laughs> to say now yeah i mean i would say like the mystique i would say they both have a similar in the sense of like it's a little more happy or major key stuff on the Daft Punk, but they're like, I'm, like I'm still trying to figure out what I was trying to, like there's still a little bit of darkness on it and I don't know what that is, but you know, it's like, and, and like brand new, like you pointed out a bunch of the chords that they're playing are like G, E minor and, and uh, D or G minor C, D. Yeah, like, E minor, G, C from that one which song. Which pretty classic like chords. Um, and you can write a lot of happy songs with those chords, but they don't. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's so 
uh, I don't know. It's like they both have a very interesting, darker kind of quality to them, especially with like um, Beyond or like Motherboard, like or maybe even like introspective, maybe slightly nostalgic, inward oh, yeah. thinking, like that kind of like tone to a lot of the songs where like, yeah, lose yourself to dance and get lucky but even like touch touch is like an emo song <laughs> like <laughs> the lyrics that he's singing you know i need something more and it like ends with that chord like you know it has like a very similar vibe in that where it's like very like kind of low-key emotional resonance introspective kind of thing um so yeah and the mystique is cool um i agree with everything that you said it is kind of cool how much they did overlap um yeah i thought this was one things. of the most overlapping we've had which is weird because we're talking about daft punk versus brand new you know on yeah. paper it doesn't sound like they would overlap but they do yeah <laughs> so all right uh what are we talking about next week next week what are we talking about next week we emotional moved albums emotion we're talking about albums that we have a very specific emotional connection to yeah uh, get ready to cry pull out your uh, if you thought this was sad albums <laughs> yeah <ready>. yeah <laughs> I, I mean they're not necessarily all sad songs but we definitely have sad memories i don't know nick and you don't know me about what album i'm picking <laughs> and why i picked it right yeah but like, so we, we don't know yet we're saving it for uh for each other for next week so yeah, it's gonna It'll be, be a surprise to all of us. We'll get we'll get tears uh, and tissues for next week. It'll be great times. All right. Oh, tell Bye. us. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, tell us what your favorite. Tell us what your favorite. Tell us what your favorite album from high school was. Tell Nick. Don't tell me. <laughs> tell Nick what your favorite album. Or shout yeah. it at your if you're riding in the car. Tell it to your windshield. <laughs> all right. Right now. Bye everyone. Bye -bye. Thanks for listening to Why Music. Bye. <laughs>